Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. We are recording today on Wednesday, June 7th. It is just me and Ty today. Lucas had something come up last minute. Um, but yeah, we're excited to get into it. We're starting our divisional breakdowns. This has been a staple for us these last three seasons. And I don't think we should really waste any more time because there are a ton of players that we have to break down in this division. Uh, if you have not already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you hit those notifications as well. So, you know, when we are dropping new episodes and, and in the next couple of weeks, some long form YouTube content as well. Well, Ty, what do you say? We jump right on in. Well, we're going to start, we're going to go in order, rather, of the way they finished last season, teams. So we're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, we're going to move to the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're going to finish up with the Cleveland Browns. And the Bengals, I mean, at least two of their players are pretty easy to talk about, right? We got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on this team. They're really good. You draft them if they're there, the kind of players. Joe Mixon and T. Higgins, on the other hand, they're guys that we need to have real discussions about. So we will we will get through the first two, and then we will make sure we spend the bulk of our Bengals time on Mixon and T. Higgins. But let's start with the quarterback position. Joe Burrow, there is no denying how good he is at this point. He is our consensus quarterback four. My quarterback five, Ty, your quarterback five, and Lucas's quarterback four. And by the way, before we get too far in, if you want to see our full rankings, full set out projections, make sure link in this link in this video or a podcast that you're listening to check out the fellas draft guide we got 240 plus players in there videos dropping soon it's a great time and it's what you need to win your leagues tie anything to add on the draft guide quick again there are a lot of things you can invest ten dollars into and this one is guaranteed to win you something back so like can i say what can i say it's well worth your investment Yes, it definitely is. All right, let's jump back into Joe Burrow here. Last season, he had 418 attempts, or 610 attempts, rather, on 418 completions, 4,527 yards, 36 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He ran 76 times for 259 yards and five touchdowns, which I think is an underrated part of Joe Burrow's finish last season. But he was fourth in fantasy points per game, and he did all this with Jamar Chase missing four games. The one thing that I do want to comment on is last season, we saw his yards of att- yards per attempt go down from 8.9 the season before, which is league high, down to 7.4. However, the um, Bengals threw 100 times more last season, which comes out to about five and a half attempts per game. Tyler, when you're looking at, oh, we got some we got some light action going on there. If you're not on it's, Spotify, it's you won't see out it. Of me. That's oh. not cool. Well, you still look great, Ty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let me just give this to you. Mm-hmm. Right. In redraft, we're seeing Joe Burrow go third, fourth round. Is that or in best ball right now? Are you willing to make that early investment in a redraft league on Joe Burrow? Or is he starting to kind of get in that next tier where maybe you'd ra- you like some wide receivers, running backs going around that same range? I think you take Joe Burrow no early third round to me is a little too early because mm-hmm. he doesn't offer enough like passing volume that you would see in a Patrick Mahomes. And he doesn't offer enough rushing upside to that. Josh Allen, Jalen hurts would 
But I think in the fourth round, if you're in the scenario that you do have Jamar Chase and he's right there, I think it's absolutely worth it. Mm. Getting a top three wide receiver who has wide receiver one upside in a high octane offense, grabbing the quarterback, grabbing the distributor is well worth it. But I don't think it's worth it if you don't have Jamar Chase. And I would even go as far to say if you have T. Higgins, I wouldn't necessarily make that same investment in the fourth. Just because I don't think T. Higgins is necessarily the 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 uh the the, the fantasy asset that Jamar Chase is, even though mm-hmm. T. Higgins is still well worth investing in, in my opinion. I I I just There's only one scenario that I take Joe Burrow in the fourth, and it's only if I have Jamar Chase. And other than that, I'm looking elsewhere, building up depth and run at my running back spot, my wide receiver spot. That to me seems to be the 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 better option than just oh Joe Burrow's there, I'm going to take him and be patient a bit. Then, for sure, I agree. For me, you know, we talk about Mahomes, we talk about Hurts, we talk about Allen. In best ball, I'm more likely to invest early in those guys. Redraft, I don't know if we'll have any of those three because I do personally love the running backs, wide receivers, and that's the way I've always drafted. And I don't know if this is the year where I can fully get myself to draft one of those guys early. And for me, if I was going to draft a guy in this tier, I would take Lamar Jackson over Joe Burrow. Uh, I have him ranked higher. And then also, I view Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow very similar this season. I think I have them within three fantasy points. So instead of taking Joe Burrow, I would wait probably the two rounds um, till we get to Justin Herbert. But like you said, I mean, he's worth drafting. We've ta- we we understand that. We know he's great. So let's move on to the running back position. Joe Mixon. He's a guy that's going to have a lot of contention around this season, especially come draft time. Obviously, there's the legal stuff happening. I don't think either of us expect, especially from the Bengals moves, that he's going to be suspended this year. He's going to be released. Uh, we expect him to be starting for the Bengals. He is our consensus running back 16. I have him at 15. Lucas actually has him highest at 14. And Ty, you have buried him down at running back 21. Uh, last season, last season he um, had 212 attempts, 826 yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, but what saved him last year was his receiving work. 75 targets, 70 receptions, 441 yards, and two touchdowns. Joe Mixon has not been the picture of efficiency that you sometimes hope for in a top back. He has not averaged over 4.1 yards per carry in the last four seasons. That's tough. He did average three less rush attempts last season, but did see 18 more receptions on the whole and played 15 games. Tyler, Joe Mixon. I don't even know what to do with him, right? He's taking a best ball, but it always feels ugly. Like, yeah. is there any way to get around that? No, I, I, the thing with Mixon, right? He saw 80 less carries, which totaled in 400 less rushing yards. And we can debate all day long whether that was Mixon's efficiency or if that was offensive line play or whatever, but. Again, the guy has never ran for more than 4.1 yards per carry, and then his touchdowns almost got chopped in half on the ground. He went from 13 to 7. And like you said, the receiving work was his saving grace last year. But how much of that was because Jamar Chase was out for four games, right? And I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit here and say that 75 targets because of a four-game stretch without the top wide receiver on your team is going to make the entire difference. I just I, – I don't think – 
the 2021 Mixon, right, that finished as a top five running back in fantasy, 1,200 yards, 292 carries, 13 touchdowns. I think those rushing days are over for Joe Mixon. I think something realistic is, you know, what we saw last year, maybe handful more carries in each game. Maybe I shouldn't even say handful per game, but just like one or two per game, like, in the re- the receiving up there this the receiving work i think he's going to take a dip just because t higgins going into has he I, remind me has he signed a contract extension yet uh i don't think he has yet but there are the gm has come out and said that he will be a bangle right so so if if t higgins doesn't sign his contract extension before the regular season starts higgins is playing for a contract extension jamar chase is Kind of also, right? Because of that kind of like weird, like fourth year kind of extension yeah. thing. I, it, I think it's really, really tough to really kind of rely on Mixon. I think a lot of people look at him as like the popular, like, you know, he, you know, later round running back that I'm just mm-hmm. going to stack up wide receivers early. Then I'll target a Joe Mixon or a Dalvin Cook later. I, I just have really little to no faith with Joe Mixon this year. And, and, of course, there's a value and a price for everyone in drafts, but I've seen some people say like, oh, Joe Mixon is still going a little too late and he's still being disrespected. Uh, did did you watch the same Joe Mixon that we saw yeah. last year? Because last year wasn't pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, like I said earlier, Joe, Joe Burrow threw the ball almost 100 more times. So I do think that kind of is that is part of the elevation in targets, but it does not make for great running rushing work when you're not an efficient back. Nine touchdowns. He is a guy that, you know, I think he could have an outlier 13 rushing touchdown year again just because the Bengals are going to score a lot of points, you know, and so he's just the beneficiary of, hey, I get a fall in the end zone one yard. You know, he could have a Jamal Williams type season where it's he doesn't have a single rushing touchdown over five yards, but he still ends up with 13. All right, let's move on to their wide receiver one, and we will not spend much time on this guy, but it's Jamar Chase. He is our wider two. For all of us, except for you, Ty, you have him down all the way at three. You just How buried dare, him again. How dare I? Um, it's twenty twenty two stats, eighty seven catches on one hundred thirty four targets, one thousand forty six yards, and nine touchdowns. He was the wide receiver eleven in only thirteen games, Pre- only twelve games, I guess, if you don't count that Bills game, which is just absurd. Um, he was on a seventeen game pace to lead the team in targets if he wasn't hurt. And his game did change because his yards per catch came down from 18 to 12. Um, but as I said, his targets were way up. Tyler, is there any reason that Jamar Chase shouldn't be a top five pick for sure? Maybe even top three next season? I I, I feel like it's a lock to put him into top three at this point. I mean, there is legitimate wide receiver one overall upside. And I think just the way that we've seen wide receivers, you know, kind of overtake running backs and drafts. I mean, Justin Jefferson last year, there's a very good possibility that we're going into next year talking about Jamar chase as the bona fide, no debate, number one overall pick followed by Justin Jefferson. And, and, mm-hmm. It hurts to say that as a Vikings fan because I will forever die in the hill that Justin Jefferson is 101 in every single draft for the rest of our lives. Yep. But Justin Jefferson wasn't the same type of prospect as Jamar Chase was coming out of college, right? So, look, j- there's, like you said, little to talk about when it comes to Jamar Chase. You know exactly what you're getting, and he is well worth investing in within the first three picks of your drafts. Yeah, I... 
he, I think, might be the biggest threat next year to be a triple crown winner if we're going to have one. I'm not saying he is going to be, but leading the league I mean, in receptions, yeah. yards, and touchdowns, that could that has Chase written all over it. Um, I mean, could, could that happen this year? I think there's a slight chance that could happen yeah. this year. Yeah, and so that's why, I mean, that's the upside that you get. And obviously, if he's almost leading the league in targets, he's got one of the safest floors as well. Um, on a 17 game pace. All right. This next guy is a guy that I think we need to kind of dive in on uh, T Higgins. He was our consensus wide receiver 16. Uh, me and Lucas have met 17 Ty, You have met 16. He had 110 targets last season, 75 receptions, 1,042 yards and seven touchdowns. And like I said, Jamar chase did miss four games. He was wide receiver 18 and he saw a decrease in yards yards per catch, targets per game, receptions per game, touchdowns per game, and deep targets from 2021. So what's the sentiment going on for T right now? Is is there going to be an exp- – like a does he take that next step forward? He's never had over 111 uh, targets in a season. Um, you know, he's never had over 1,100 yards in a season. Is he going to take that step forward, or is this kind of what we should expect from T Higgins moving forward? I do have T Higgins kind of uh, – taking a step forward in terms of the volume that he sees. I, I currently have him sat it out as such. One, 133 targets, 87 receptions, uh, 1,188 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he's seen almost a 20-target 20, uh, 20 uptick. He's seeing a 10, uh, 10 reception uptick and rough, yeah, like a 100-yard uptick as well and touchdowns are relatively the same and that's i think it's a lot e- obviously it's a lot easier said than done right where we don't play the game but if you think t higgins is as good as he is there should be no reason why he can't at least have that and i get that there's a whole offensive scheme and preferences of the quarterback and how games play out and stuff like that but i what has T Higgins not shown us to think that he doesn't take that step forward? If that makes sense. Like T Higgins is a fabulous wide receiver. He's a wide receiver one on any other team, but just because he's on the Bengals, he's stuck behind Jamar chase and he can still be very, 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 very good with Jamar chase. Definitely can. I, I would agree with that. I think Right now, where he's going at best ball and underdog drafts, he's going at the wide receiver 14. I think that might be a little rich for me. I haven't been taking a ton of T. Higgins there, but I don't think he's going to be a like he's not going to be a bad value or anything this year, right? Um, all right, and then let's close out with their tight end. I guess we'll give some love to Tyler Boyd quick, right? I think he is a safe 10 points <laughs> um, in PPR leagues, if that's what you're looking for later in drafts. But Irv Smith, real quick, Ty, is he worth taking a flyer on? Mm, I think it depends on where your flyer is. Um, but at the same time, you know the offense that he's in. Mm-hmm. Why not, right? Like, what if they have a kind of like a, 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 oh my, what's the word? What, what if they have a preference to target Irv Smith and T mm-hmm. Higgins in the red zone? And like, that's not going to happen because Jamar Chase is there. But like, again, you know, the offense. Yeah. Maybe sure. it's worth it. Who knows? Yeah. He'll definitely have a couple spike weeks, you know, when he gets a, you know, a couple, like if he gets a couple catches on a touchdown, but he is our tight end 24. So he is way down there. But, you know, if you're in the last round of your drafts, so you haven't picked a tight end yet. You completely punted. Maybe he's a guy you take a flyer on because you'll know pretty quickly if he's in the offense or not. 
Alrighty, let's transition to our Baltimore Ravens. So we're going to start with the quarterback position. A lot like Burrow, he's a guy we have ranked really high, and that's Lamar Jackson. He's our consensus quarterback five. Ty, you and I have him at four, and Lucas has him down at six. Uh, last season, he obviously only played 12 games, but still had 2,200 yards, 2,242 yards. He actually had the same amount of passing yards as Justin Fields did last year, fun fact, in five less games. 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He also ran the ball 112 times for 764 yards and three touchdowns, was on a 1,000-yard pace. Um, he was on a 17-game pace of 186 passing yards and 63 rushing yards a game. He's added OBJ and Zay Flowers. In the last three years, though, this is where people get concerned with Lamar Jackson. He's missed 11 games, and he hasn't been top five in points per game since his MVP season. But one thing people have been making a big deal out of this season is the addition of Todd Monkinen. Monken? Monkinen? Yeah, Monken. Monken. All right, there we go. I am the worst with names in the entire show. It is ridiculous, <laughs> but we move forward. Ty, I have to ask, is this whole Todd Monken thing blown out of proportion, or do you think it's justified? I I think it's just a tad overhyped. Ooh, I, right. I, I get why people are excited why Todd Monken is coming in. Um I we I think I need to kind of correct on behalf of the fellows because we have said before that. Jameis's 30 and 30 mm-hmm. season when he finished as a top five quarterback was under Todd Monken and it was not that was under Bruce Arians first year as head coach and Byron Leftwich's first season as offensive coordinator um and you go back and check the last year of Todd Monken in Tampa Bay which was 2018 and you look at kind of the passing stats and you're like wow that's pretty good right there's you know 5,000 yards pass. There's over 600 attempts. You're like, hey, that's pretty good. That that feels like, you know, you get rushing upside with Lamar Jackson. Now you're going to get a, a heavy passing attack. What can go wrong? Um, until you take a look at exactly like why they threw the ball over 600 times. And it was because Tampa's defense that year uh, gave up the second second most amount of points in the fifth most yards to opposing offenses. So, because of that, Tampa just had to throw the ball because they were constantly behind in games. I think the other part of it, too, why there's so much hype with Todd Monken coming in is because we just saw Georgia go back-to-back as national champs in college football, and you saw Stetson Bennett kind of develop as a passer just a little bit. Um, so I, I understand the hype, and you know when you compare Todd Monken to Greg, Mo- uh, Greg Roman – Obviously, there's going to be an uptick in passing attempts, but I don't think it's going to be as astronomical as people think it'll be. I think we'll still, I think if anything, we will see a more balanced and a like more familiar Lamar than we, you know, from years that we've seen in the past and like this, you know, 600 attempts Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't think that's really in any of the possibilities. In my opinion, at least. Yeah, and I think I think that's still really good for Lamar. Like, let's not get it wrong. Like, a balanced offense is going to be great for this team, and that that is honestly how I feel like they should run it. Right? They got a good running attack. 
Um, obviously with Lamar and this next day, we'll talk about JK Dobbins and, you know, when Lamar slings it around, he's, he's a good quarterback, right? And he's, they've added weapons. It remains to be seen how great those weapons will be, but they have added weapons. So let's move on to the running back, JK Dobbins. He's our consensus 20, uh, 23. He's my running back 22. Lucas is running back 22 and Ty, you are just burying these NFC or AFC East running backs. You got him down at 28. Um, he had, uh, in 2022, he put, only played eight games. He had 92 receptions, 520 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, oh, 92 attempts. 92 not attempts. Ooh, wow. <laughs> You're right. It's definitely not J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> His receiving work was seven receptions on eight targets for 42 yards. With Todd Monken, we expect that to take a little bit of an uptick. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that he's going to put up crazy receiving numbers, but maybe we could get up to like Nick Chubb from the last couple of years, maybe as a ceiling, we could see that. I don't expect like crazy numbers. Like I'm not saying that, but I don't think he's just going to see one target a game again this season. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no. But the upside for J.K. Dobbins is he looked like he only had one leg last year running, and he still averaged 5.7 yards per carry. That is just something that's, you know – pretty ridiculous to me obviously you can tell by us i i love jk dobbins i want to be all in on jk dobbins and i was so sad when i had him ranked at 23 and not higher after all the stats came out ty obviously you're lower on jk dobbins is that just purely receiving upside is that touchdown upside? what do you what, what goes into that so i've got him statted to have 10 rushing touchdowns so it's the receiving work that yeah. I have got serious question marks about. Like I've got him statted out for 22 targets and 16 catches, but I think part of it too is like you had kind of referenced to, he was running on like one leg last year and maybe my ranking is just a bit of like hesitancy and concern thinking that that's going to be like the JK Dobbins that we see like, moving forward that like you know maybe he doesn't ever really look like his old self again may and maybe that's the pessimistic view and that's okay i just for me even if we have him as a running back what 23 for consensus like like an underdog right now he's going as a running back 18 and Mm -hmm. that is way 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 high especially i mean just coming from where i have him but even from the running back 23 standpoint Running back 18 is too high. And I, you know, maybe that's being, you know, optimistic about how he can, you know, recover having a full off season now. But I, there, I, to me, there's too many question marks with JK Dobbins, right? You bring in, you know, you still have Mark Andrews, you bring in three, you know, two new wide receivers, Zay Flowers and Odell, you have Rashad Bateman. So really receiving work is really going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? And when you get in the red zone, again, Mark Andrews being Mark Andrews, he's going to get targeted in the red zone. Odell was in red zone kind of threat when he was with the Rams. Then you've got Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't think it's a guarantee that, you know, and like, to be honest, I feel like 10 rushing touchdowns is a bit like asking a lot of J.K. Dobbins just in the offense that he's in. So because of that and just all the question marks that I have, he, that's why he's lower in my rankings. But I can completely understand why someone could have him somewhere between that 20-24 range because, again, if we're expecting this Baltimore offense to take a step forward and be much more productive, that's going to benefit Dobbins. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think the running back 18 spot is a little rich for me too. I want to take him in a lot of drafts, but I just don't. I can't pull a trigger where he's at. Um, But yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Uh, before we get to the wide receivers, let's like jump to tight ends because I want to do something with our three wide receivers. And so let's just talk about Mark Andrews real quick because he is the number one target on this team. And I don't think it's particularly close um, when it comes down to it. Last season, he was or he is our consensus tight end two. He's a tight end two for everybody across the board. Um, last season, he averaged 12.7 fantasy points per game. He was tied for third in fantasy points per game, uh, fourth overall. 113 targets, 73 receptions, 847 yards, and eight touchdowns in just 15 games. Tyler, is Mark Andrews going to be able to close the gap on Travis Kelsey at all this season, or do you think do you think it's wide, or do you think it's going to stay pretty wide? And then the other thing is, right now Andrews is going in the second round. Lucas took him in the third round in our redraft league. Is that too high for Mark Andrews if the gap's not going to close, or do you think that's about right? I think I think if you look at just how a draft kind of falls, right, and you've got, let's say you take Kelsey in the first, and then, again, just based on our mock draft we did the other day, and Mark Andrews going in the third, I feel like even, even though like Mark Andrews may not close the gap necessarily with Travis Kelsey, I much, I like a lot, like I like going... Andrews in the third and then, you know, whatever wide receiver running back you take in the first two rounds more than Kelsey first. And then the other, and then wide receiver running back in the other two rounds, Mm -hmm. that's just, and, and, and I think that's just because like, yes, there's a positional advantage with Mark Andrews. And then there's a positional advantage with Travis Kelsey. But when you look at, the advantage difference right and that's this is just purely just kind of like theoretical i don't know like you you get bet you get value in positions that are so volatile in terms of production in running back and wide receiver that i don't think it's necessarily like the biggest deal in the world if you don't take kelsey in the first and then you take andrews a couple rounds later if that makes sense all right for sure for sure Alrighty, now with these wide receivers, I want to do a little key trade cut. We got three of them. I don't mind this. Um, <laughs> just mainly because I don't think any of them really deserve to be talked about for a long time individually. But it is a question that we kind of have to talk about. Uh, so I'll just I'll go through them real quick, and then we can kind of do our little game. Uh, Rashad Bateman, our consensus 44. My wide receiver, 43. Lucas is 39. Ty, you have him down at 53. We've only seen 12 games total. Or, yeah. No, 18 games total of him, six this year, 12 last season. But he was the top 20 wide receiver in weeks one through two last season. And Lamar has repeatedly called him the wide receiver one this offseason. Then we have Zay Flowers. He is our consensus 47. Me and Luke have him at 46. Ty, you have him at 49. He has been receiving a ton of preseason hype from the media. So take that with however you will. And then we have the old man, Odell Beckham Jr. He's our consensus 52. I'm at 56. Lucas has him at 58. And Ty, you have him as the wide receiver one of this offense at 43. I guess my question is for him, is there anything left in the tank? We've only seen 25 games from him in the last three seasons, and he's only had one 100-yard receiving game since week six of 2019, a long time ago. But let's do a little key trade cup here, Ty, just – who are you keeping? Who are you trading? Who are you cutting? We'll both give one, two sentence answers on 
on why we're why we're going each way with each one of these guys. So I'll let you go first. So to me, I mean, it would be super easy just to be like, Odell's my highest scored wide receiver on the bank on the Ravens, so he's my keep. But um, I think in terms of just who Lamar can trust the most in this offense, I feel like it's Odell, right? Because you know the talent that Odell is. And while he does kind of possess an injury risk, we're then asking an unproven Rashad Bateman going into year three who has dealt with injuries also mm-hmm. and a rookie in Zay Flowers to do more than Odell, right? And to me, I just think it's I just think it's gonna be a trust factor thing with Lamar, right? Like Lamar can say that Rashad is the wide receiver one all he wants. I would argue that's just because Rashad Bateman has been there for three years and Odell and Zay have been there for less than what? A couple of months. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So to me, I'm going to keep Odell. I'm going to trade Zay Flowers. And that is purely just because of all the hype that Zay Flowers is getting in the media. And there seems to be an infatuation that with, you know, rookie and young wide receivers, Maybe Zay Flowers can come through rookie year and kind of deliver on some of the hype, but I don't, I personally don't think that he's going to deliver fully on the hype this year. Down the road, it's a different story, but this year, I'm going to try to just capitalize on the, on the infatuation of Zay Flowers. And then obviously, then that leaves me to cut Rashad Bateman just because. I think we all want Rashad Bateman to, again, be the wide receiver one of this team. I've always just held the idea, though, that Rashad Bateman is a much better downfield threat than he is a do-it-all wide receiver. And they this may be a kind of feel-out process for the Ravens at the beginning of the year that they do ask Rashad to do, to do it all. And I may think and predict that it won't work and so on they will ask Odell to do that and then Bateman becomes a downfield threat and like we've seen Hollywood Brown thrive as a downfield threat in this offense but I I I just think we're asking a lot of a of a guy who hasn't played a whole lot in two years with added competition like Odell and Zay Flowers for sure I I am a believer in Rashad Bateman. I am. I have been since he came in as a rookie. So I'm going to keep Rashad Bateman for that reason. And I'm going to believe Lamar, uh, whether it's silly or not. Uh, And then the next two, it comes down to exactly what you said about Zay Flowers. I'm going to trade Zay Flowers because of all the hype going around. I think you can get a lot more for Zay Flowers right now than you can for Odell Beckham Jr. And that's just because of media hype. And so that just leaves me to cutting Odell Beckham. Although I think Zay, I think they're all very very close and the nice thing where they are going in drafts is it's it feels okay to take a chance on one of them because they are going so late whereas if they you know if it was like wide receiver 29 30 31 you might be a little more nervous right now they are kind of going in this 40 to 50 range um of wide receivers yeah like you you are taking them um you're taking them later than they should be going because no one knows exactly like who's going to step up as one as the one and then fall as the two and the three. So you have little to no risk taking really any of the Ravens wide receivers at where they're going in drafts right now. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. With that, we are going to transition into a word from 
our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLAS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. And we're back. Try my best, Lucas. I don't think I quite got the. Uh, I can't get the pitch that he can. Um, That's just a Lucas thing. I, I think it is. I'll, I'll leave that for him next time. I will not try it again. I apologize. But we're back, and we're going to kick it off with the Pittsburgh Steelers here, and starting with their quarterback, Mister Kenny Pickett. I don't know if we need to spend too much time on him. He was our. He was a quarterback twenty last season. Uh, or not last season. He is our consensus quarterback 20. So obviously we're not very high on him. Ty, I'm just going to kick it over to you right away. Redraft, single quarterback. Any interest in Kenny Pickett? Just as a late round flyer. Um, clearly the Steelers like him because they took him in the first round. And it is like, it is known that last year when Kenny Pickett came into the offense, they had zero hot routes in that offense. Like I'm, I'm and they, they, they have said that it was part of the plan and stuff, but no quarterback is going to succeed if they don't have an out in, mm-hmm. in their offense. So now that Kenny Pickett is going into his first full year as a starter, I'm expecting those to kind of come into the offense now. And he does have a bit of rushing ability. Like he did have three rushing touchdowns last year, and he ran fifty-five times in only thirteen in, in thirteen games. So, like I said, like as a late-round flyer, I don't see an issue with that. But I'm not, I'm not gonna wait for you know, I'm not gonna target him early as my backup quarterback, and I'm certainly not gonna target him as a as a starter for my fantasy team. But late-round flyer for sure. righty. Well, I don't want to add too much on Kenny Pickett. I'm. I'm not really in on Kenny Pickett. I'm not taking that late round flyer. Uh, and that's just because I don't truly believe in Kenny Pickett. But we will move on to the running back position with Najee Harris. He's our consensus running back 14. I got him at 12. Lucas is the one that buried him this time. Ty, it wasn't you. It was Lucas putting him at 18. Oh, and Ty, you are the same as me up at 12. Uh, I was really hoping for this part. Lucas would be on the pod with us. Um, but unfortunately, we, we will have to ask him a different time why he hates Najee Harris so much. Um, But in 2022, Harris had 272 attempts, um, 1,038 yards, seven touchdowns. He also had 53 targets, 41 receptions, 229 yards, and three touchdowns. Doc says that he had 2,293 yards, but I don't think he had that receiving. He was the only top 30 running back with a lower yards per carry than Leonard Fournette at 3.8. He That's was tied awesome. with Zeke. Um, he saw 94 targets in 2021, and obviously that came down quite a bit to 53. But the upside for him, 
is that he is a volume merchant, and that's what he is. He was fifth in carry, sixth in red zone touches, and eighth in weighted carries. Ty, is that why you have him at 12, or do you think that like Najee can kind of break out of this, you know, I, I don't like mold that we have put him in that he is strictly a volume merchant? I think, well, volume merchant is <laughs> kind of funny. Um, the way that I look at Najee, right, because I've got him at 12 in my rankings. Mm-hmm. There's only 11 running back ones this year. And Najee Harris is like the first of the running back twos because Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Bijan, Nick Chubb, Ramondre, Brees Hall. I think those are all your running back ones this year. You know, you look after that, right? We can throw in Najee Harris, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne. Um, like, Again, those are all running back twos, and I think Najee is closer to those guys than he is to the first eleven that I'm that I read off. So, like, the, I think the reason though that Najee is still it should still be considered to be that kind of borderline running back one because I, like I said, I think he is the best of the rest. And you look at last year, from weeks eleven to eighteen, double digit fantasy points every single week, and. You know, we saw uptick in carries, right? He went from 20, 20, 10, 17, 12, 24, 16, 22, 23. Those are all his carries in each of those games. And obviously, you're going to sit there and go, well, duh, the guy got more carries. That means more opportunities. Yes. And the best thing about that is that's when the offense was hitting their stride, was when Najee Harris was getting fed the ball from the backfield. So I think the days of Najee Harris being, a, a, a you know, kind of, I don't know what the word is used. The receiving work is never going to be what we saw his rookie year. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think he can He can kind of, I will, you know, I will say volume. Some people will say ugly volume. He will give volume that will keep tension in anywhere between that running 12 to 15 spot in my For sure. For sure. All right. Let's transition then to these wide receivers. And I think this is an interesting debate this offseason. They're going very close in drafts right now. Is Deontay Johnson and George Pickens last year? Johnson was sixth in targets, if you can believe it, as the wide receiver 28, 147 targets, 86 receptions, only 882 yards, and zero receiving touchdowns. 147 targets, and he didn't catch a touchdown. He only averaged 10.6 fantasy points per game which is still more than George Pickens, but that is less than guys like Alan Lazard, Gabe Davis, same amount of points per game as Joshua Palmer, less than Jacoby Myers. George Pickens, his counterpart, had 84 targets, um, 52 receptions, 801 yards, and he did have three receiving touchdowns. Tyler, in our rankings right now, we have Deontay Johnson, as the wide receiver 30, George Pickens as the wide receiver 32. I have Johnson 27, Lucas 29. You have him down to 37. And then we actually almost have it. We have it flipped, me and you. I have Pickens at 37. You have Johnson at 27 and Lucas in the middle at 35. So I want you to give your case for Pickens, and I will give my case for Deontay Johnson in this offense. George Pickens should have been a first-round player coming out of the draft, uh, but there were some – a character questions and there were off or there were injuries also with that. Um, so to me, this is just 
George Pickens, knowing the talent of George Pickens, because you watch a highlight reel, he is absolutely like a first round talent and the, the Steelers got him in the second round. So I'm expecting a sophomore leap from George Pickens right in now going into again, this, the, the more structured offense of the Steelers, right? Going into this year, I think it's going to benefit Pickens. And I will admit, I think I'm, a, I'm probably a little too low on Deontay just looking at, you know, the, the, the numbers that I had that I haven't set it out for, you know, ba- compared to the years, uh, the last three years, he's seen 144, 169, 147 targets each of the last three years. And I have him down at 126 this year. Like, I don't think I, I think that's too low. Um, but I think there's a world. And if I do, you know, if I, if I do my maths correctly and stuff, when I'm going back or when I go back through my, my rankings, I think there's a world where, George Pickens can possess that kind of like top 25 upside because of the sophomore leap while Deontay Johnson can still be a legitimate wide receiver anywhere between 25 and 30, right? For like sure. I, I don't, I think they, I think both Deontay Johnson and George Pickens kind of cap the ceilings a bit with them, but there's a world where they can coexist and I will put my hands up and say wide receiver 37 is too low on Deontay. He is still a PPR machine because of the targets that he gets. And everyone knows that they want to use Deontay in the short game and then use George Pickens downfield and really kind of everywhere else. There's value in both. Don't, don't discredit one and then, you know, overvalue the other. They, they sure. can coexist. For sure. I think my argument, like you said, for Deontay, is he, he is a PBR machine. I think he's still going to see 140 targets. I, I do. Um, they are the two main guys in this offense. I think Pittsburgh will throw just enough before they can both have decent volume, and I think Deontay wins that. And, you know, last season, Deontay scores five touchdowns. He's a top 22 wide receiver, top 24 right. this year. So I think that's a number he's going to hit. He'll never be an eight-touchdown-plus kind of guy. That's not who Deontay Johnson is going to be, even if he has 160 targets again. But I do think he can get a four or five touchdown, be a respectable top 24 wide receiver. Alrighty, and then the last guy on the Steelers that we will talk about is Pat Fryermuth. He is our consensus 12, my 15, Lucas's tight end 10, and Ty, your tight end 12. Last season, he was the tight end six, but he still averaged less than 10 or he tied in seven, but he still averaged less than 10 fantasy points per game. Isn't that sad? That's the top so seven sad. tight end. He's under 10 fantasy points per game in a PPR league, but he had 90, 98 targets, 63 receptions, 732 yards, and only two touchdowns. As you can see, these Steelers wider Steelers weapons just did not score many touchdowns in general. Tyler is, is Pat Fryermuth just like you have them, like you pick them, you have them, and you get 10 points a week, and you just kind of live with it. There's no ceiling. That's kind of, you know, there's no real floor, either, or that's kind of the floor, too. Is that just who he is? I think Pat Fryermuth is the like personification of like middle of the road tight ends. Like your, your boom weeks are going to be like 12 points, are going to be like 13 at best. Your down weeks are going to be at like five or six. So he's going to be kind of a steady eight, steady nine. And obviously everyone's going to look at that and go like, ew, that's gross. It's gross, but that's average for tight ends. Like, (laughs) so don't look at Pat Fryermuth and go like, oh, I don't really want that on my team. 
no, Pat Fryermuth is still like kind of like I said, he's a middle of the road tight end. He is, I mean, <laughs> he's a, he is a fairway hit. He is a center field single. Like it is just right down the middle. And yeah. obviously, you want to target upside. Obviously, you want to acknowledge like downside. But sometimes the most obvious picks are just your center field hits, and Pat Fryermuth is definitely one of those. Yeah, he's going as a tight end ten. And he's a guy, if you want to nine points in your lineup, he'll get you nine points in your lineup. Maybe he'll get you 13 or 14, but that's probably his ceiling. But he's not going to drop many, like, three or four pointers on you. Yes. Um, all righty. With that, let's transition to our final team. Oh. We're leaving that in there. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so with that, we have the Cleveland Browns now, and they're controversial, to say the least. Quarterback, Mr. Deshaun Watson. He is our consensus quarterback nine. He is my and Ty's quarterback nine. Ty, we haven't agreed on a lot, so it's fun to see it here. Um, <laughs> Lucas is quarterback eight. He couldn't just be like the rest of us. But that's all right. Um, in 2022, he had 99 attempts, 178 or 170 attempts, rather, 99 completions, 1,102 yards, only seven touchdowns and five interceptions in six games. He also ran the ball six times a game, um, had 175 rushing yards on the season, and added a touchdown. This season, he does add Elijah Moore instead of Tillman, but does lose Kareem Hunt. Um, If you took those averages, because it's hard to kind of, what does that mean in six games? 189 passing yards and 30 rushing yards per game. But I think the thing we got to remember with Sean Watson, even though last year was abysmal, is before, you know, everything, as we call it, um, he did have three QB5 finishes in a row. So, Ty, this is a guy with crazy, with good upside and a crazy low floor. And, right, we have him at nine. So, can you just paint the picture of what is that upside and what is that floor? Oh, geez. Well... <laughs> The downside is he is uh, a bust and that he's droppable. Would it be fair to say Russell Wilson of last season is his floor? Um, sure. Yes. <laughs> like that, like that's tough though, because I remember going into last season thinking that, that Russ is going to be, you know, top 10 for sure quarterback. And then obviously didn't play like it. So at least with Deshaun Watson, we acknowledge the downside that Russell Wilson ultimately had last year. Yeah. Um, so I will, I, I'll agree with you on that. Like he kind of feels like the Russell Wilson of this year. And um, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. And part of me wants to keep him outside of the top 12 quarterbacks because I, <laughs> It's such a risk, but at the same time, if you know the talent of Deshaun Watson, he's he's worth taking in your drafts because he's a darn good fantasy asset to have. Yeah, I think I've said this before to you. I am all in on yeah, the Cleveland Browns, and I have a couple <laughs> fantasy basketball teams with Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, and Amari Cooper. And like I said before, that definitely could be three three Browns too many on one roster. But this next guy has, I thought it had me hot and bothered, 
but boy, does he have Lucas hot and bothered. Yeah, he is he's holy cow. He's our consensus running back three. My running back four. Ty has him down at running back nine. And Lucas has him as his running back two this season ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Just a sneak peek into our draft guide where you can catch all of our rankings as I plugged earlier. The link will be down in the description of the video or audio podcast you are listening to if you want to see the full rankings. But last season, 302 attempts, 1,525 yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, receiving work. He did have 37 targets. Good for Nick Chubb. 27 receptions, 239 yards, and a touchdown. He did lose Kareem Hunt, so he has this backfield pretty much all to himself. Jerome Ford is back there, but I don't think he poses much of a threat to the mighty Nick Chubb, who has averaged at least five yards per carry every single year of his career. He was third in carries, but only 12th in red zone touches because Kareem Hunt had 30 red zone touches last season. That's about two a game. So is this the year of Nicholas Chubb, Ty? Is is this finally the year where me and Lucas are right and we, he finishes really high? Or do you think we're going to have another year of Nick Chubb where he feels like he should be better than he is for fantasy? I will turn this back to you because this is, I think, a question that you should answer because I'm the one that's got questions about him. So... For me, I think he's. I think the workload this year is going to be Josh Jacobs esque of last year. Maybe not quite the receptions, but I think total touches he could reach that number. Just something pushing four hundred. I have him set out for three hundred twenty-seven carries this year. I'm set out for I think thirty-five receptions and fourteen total touchdowns, which is he had last year. He had thirteen. I think he can eclipse sixteen hundred yards, push for seventeen hundred this season. He's just a guy. He is. He's the guy who is the best pure rusher in the NFL at this point. I think he's proven that year over year. And he's on a team with Kevin Stefanski where he likes to run the ball. Obviously, he and his whole offense comes off of making the play action work, which you need to establish the run to do. And so that that is why I'm so high on Nick Chubb. I have him at four. Um, Lucas obviously is crazy high. But Tyre, just your some of your like receiving concerns—is that where a lot of it comes from? Of why you don't want to push him higher, or or what is it for you? I think that's part of it. Just kind of knowing that, like, I know that no one likes to think that Elijah Moore is that good of an asset to have in in real life. Elijah Moore is pretty darn good, okay. And let's not bat an eye at Donovan Peoples Jones either, because there, um, I think there's an argument to be had that. Deshaun Watson showed more uh, trust with Donovan Peoples-Jones than he did with Amari Cooper when he got back. So all that to say, and then also David Njoku is still there, right? So there are a ton of weapons for Deshaun Watson to use. Plus he's a mobile quarterback, right? Like he's not the, you know, he's not a pocket passer by any means. Mm -hmm. So, the first question that I have about Nick Chubb is just how 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 much of an uptick in receiving work do we see from last year, if any, right? Mm. My second question then is kind of the overarching question that I have. There is so much talent in weapons with this team. There is. And I am trying to be careful in ranking and, and really kind of – um yeah, ranking all these Browns players, right? If I have Deshaun Watson as a as my quarterback, you know, as a 
I, I sh- maybe I should pra- phrase in a hypothetical. Deshaun Watson has top five upside. Nick Chubb has top five upside. Has even top three upside, right? Like that's what people are saying. Amari Cooper has top ten upside, right? And then David and Joku is kind of a sneaky later round tight end to take. If that's all going to happen, the Browns are winning the Super Bowl, right? Like that's that's like we need to be careful and and acknowledge that one's one person's success in this offense may be a damage or like maybe a dent in someone else in this offense. Right. So maybe I, maybe I'm too low on Nick Chubb, but I think my concern is there's only one football on this team. Right. So if it's going to be Chubb, then that hurts Deshaun Watson a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe not Deshaun Watson necessarily. It's the receivers that it hurts. Right. For sure. And if it's and if this offense is going to kind of transition over to Deshaun Watson and the receivers, then it hurts Nick Chubb, right? So again, I'm 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 still trying to piece together exactly like how this offense is going to work with all of the hype that you hear about every single Browns weapon in fantasy football. Yep. And I I don't want to keep plugging our draft guy, but I I do want to say that's why it is just like a living document, right? It is something that we are going to email out weekly updates every single week because our perception of how things are going in an offense, they're going to change from week to week based off of what we're hearing in training camps, based off of transactions people make. I think that's one of the things that does scare me about Nick Chubb is they could bring in a Leonard Fournette, a Zeke, a Kareem Hunt, right? There, There's no nothing stopping them from doing so. And Nick Chubb's always had a second running back next to him. So that definitely could happen. But for me, I'm in on three guys in this offense, and that's it. And you'll kind of see that with my rankings. This next guy I'm also in on, that's wide receiver Amari Cooper, who is our consensus 11. I have him at 10. Lucas at 11. Tayo at 14. I think we all have similar ideas of what's going to happen for Amari Cooper this year. right? He's kind of fallen in that he's not a wide receiver one, but he, he's, a, he's a good wide receiver two. Kind of, kind of thing, you know, for fantasy purposes. When I set these uh, set of players out, I think I have eight wide receiver ones is kind of my feeling, and then like 25 wide receiver two guys. And so 2022, Amari Cooper, 132 targets, 78 receptions, 1,160 yards, and nine touchdowns. He had the most air yards of his career, and he was third in the league in unrealized air yards. I think that's something really big that we got to realize is Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson weren't exactly act crazy accurate when they were throwing the ball to him. And something big for him, too, is he was also 12th in red zone targets, right? If you're going to be up this high, you do need touchdowns. There, there are very few. I think Amon Ra was the only guy last year without at least seven receiving touchdowns in the top 12. So t- touchdowns need to come, especially like Amari Cooper's not going to put up huge. I mean, I guess he could put up huge yards totals, but I don't have him pushing. Like, he's not going to push 1,500 yards. He's not going to push 120 targets. So, Tyler, is there, for Amari Cooper this year, is he a safe wide receiver too? Do you feel like he's safe, or do you feel like there's some volatility that could happen with Amari Cooper? I'm trying to remember exactly which episode it was that I said this, but I feel like Amari Cooper is a better buy low candidate than he is someone to target in drafts, and that's just my personal preference. Because I think Deshaun Watson could come out a bit slow in the beginning of the season, just again still adjusting. I know that he's had an off season, but I'm just just follow me here for a second. Mm-hmm. If Deshaun Watson starts out slow, that hurts Amari Cooper, right? 
And as the season goes on, I think we start to see the old Deshaun Watson come back a little bit. That's when I'm going to go try to go get Amari Cooper because as the, the, the better play that we get from Deshaun Watson, the better production that we see from Amari Cooper. So, you know, I think he is going to, <clears throat> excuse me. I think he's going to finish as a strong wide receiver too this year. Hmm. But I think it's going to be kind of a, a later a, a later surge to that finish. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, it's going to be week six where we see just a huge uptick for 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 Amari Cooper. But I, I like I said, I think Amari Cooper could be your by low candidate this year. And when I like early on in the season, right, because Trey talks can go on for the entire season. But if like Cooper's are really the only one on the board and I know, and like I said, like if I know that he's going to have a, a strong finish to the season and could finish as a strong wide receiver too, then yeah, sure. But it's not someone that I'm like going to go get a Mark Cooper and, you know, going to die on that hill that I have to get a Mark Cooper as my wide receiver too. All right. So I, I am all in that pretty much that guy who's going to die on the hill, but get a Mark Cooper. But I think what you're saying goes for got people like me who do draft a Cooper a lot. Don't, panic on Amari Cooper if the first couple of weeks are rough. Yes. Give it time to adjust. If you do make that investment, give it time. Don't sell him week three because he's had a couple down weeks. Give him time. Yes. All right. And I'm saying buy low to the people that don't listen to our show because they won't know to be patient on him. Yes, for sure. All righty. These next two wide receivers, I'll admit I have them buried. Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Elijah Moore is my wide receiver 73. He's our consensus 56. Ty, you have him at 48. Give me the reason why. Obviously, he's your wide receiver 48. So you're not like in on Elijah Moore, but you're in enough that you would take him in a draft. Yes. Give give me the the upside for Elijah Moore. Just being kind of the shorter yardage guy, and like maybe that could hurt or that may kind of counteract the Deshaun Watson effect because Deshaun Watson is mobile enough, so he may not need to dump it short every time. But um, as I find, uh, shoot, uh, <laughs> Elijah Moore's 2021 season, because that's when he, he got hurt, but there mm-hmm. were in, there was that four enough, game stretch, right? That four game stretch. And mm-hmm. I have it here. Nope. Uh, give me one more second. Where is it? There it is. Average. And let me find. Where did he go? I must have scrolled past. Oh, there he is. How about that? There we go. Um, Elijah Moore in 2021. Uh, I lost him again. Oh, my goodness. This is embarrassing. There it is. <laughs> 12.6. And that may not be like as high as people want it to be. And that's kind of a little lower than I remember. But again, the four week stretch is I'm put, of course the internet just drops out on me. Anyway, my point is I said this earlier, Elijah Moore has talent. Mm -hmm. Elijah Moore is still a very good wide receiver two to have on your team. It didn't work with the jets because Zach Wilson, Okay, like <laughs> that's 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 the reason why I didn't work with the Jets. So I'm giving him another chance, especially with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, right? And if if Amari Cooper can have a strong surge to the you know to his season, 
Elijah Moore can be not, yeah, I mean, because he's my wide receiver 48, but he can still have a very good season for what we've seen last year with Deshaun Watson. Here, I'll, get, I'll give it to you quick. Week 9 to week 13, so I was wrong, five weeks. Uh, 27.4 fantasy points, 13.4, 29.6, 9.3, and 20.6 targets he saw in that time frame, 8, 6, 11, 8, and 12. So there is upside there. There, there is a little bit. We've seen it before. And then their next wide receiver down is Peoples Jones. Are you touching him in a redraft, or is he just too volatile? Uh, probably a little too volatile and knowing the situation that he's in, right? Just on the Browns as a wide receiver three, probably the fourth option behind David Njoku then too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I agree. All right. And speaking of David Njoku, we'll wrap up with him quickly. He's our consensus tight end 14. I am at 17. Luke is at 13 and Ty, you have him at 15. He was the tight end 11 last year. Uh, his 2022 stats, 80 targets, 58 receptions, 628 yards, and four touchdowns. He is currently going in basketball drafts as a tight end nine. Ty, is that too steep of a price to pay quickly? I don't think it's necessarily too steep. I I just won't be doing it myself because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like I I I completely understand why people would be in on David Njoku, right? Just getting a piece of the Browns offense. And, you know, arguably the number two option in the receiving game ahead of Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I get I get the reasoning for it. I again, I think the theme for me with these Browns players, it's just going to take a a couple weeks to get, you know, the wheels turning. And while that's happening, there are other fan. There are other players in the league. There are other teams that are going to get a, a just a head start in comparison to the Browns for sure. Alrighty. Well, that wraps up our AFC North. That was a fun first divisional breakdown. Love we will have seven more coming your way once a week for the uh, rest of the summer. Uh, something, something to look forward to every week. And if I've said it once, I'll say it again. Make sure you check out the fellows draft guide for our full rankings, 240 plus statted out players, a hundred plus videos coming soon. Um, we have weekly updates going on in it. So you always have the freshest, newest data from the fellas, but yeah, Ty, anything else to add before we log off? I love these divisional breakdown episodes. Cannot wait for the, for the other seven. Yes, it'll be good. Alrighty. And with that, make sure you are subscribed to the pod either on YouTube or the audio podcast you're listening to. Turn on those notifications on YouTube. Check us out on TikTok, the Fantasy Football Fellas, YouTube, Fantasy Football Fellas, Twitter, FFLs, Instagram, the FFLs, and Facebook, which is lighting up. Yeah. We were up 300% last episode. Between last episode and this episode, we've doubled again. We're at 6,000 followers now over on Facebook in just a couple short months. So make sure you head on and check us out over there. I am Camla FFF. And Tyler is Tyler underscore Plath on Twitter. And with that, deuces. And we will see you next week. Deuces. Deuces.